You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Alec Jacks. I'm one of the pastors here at the Creek. I work with students. Um, we just wrapped up a junior high retreat this morning, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, we can whoop for that. That's okay. Uh, and, and man, just, just had like 33 kids come to a junior high retreat last night. So it was awesome. So just wanted to share that with you. Um, this morning, here's, here's kind of the way that I, I want to start. Um, how, how many of you, and, and this is probably most of us, um, have, have ever been just just really simple question, in a hurry and gotten into an elevator and just like immediately slammed as many times and as hard as you can the closed door button to make it go faster, yeah? Okay, uh, how about um, you're running late, maybe you're in downtown Fort Worth and uh, y'all know those little, uh, the crosswalk buttons? You know, yeah, okay. How many of you have punched it like more than one time when you've been there? You know what I'm talking about? So, so here's the thing. Let me, let me just <laughs> collectively burst our bubble of faith in humanity. Is that okay? Can we do that? Um, almost none of those, according to a study put out last week, work at all. Like, like, like not only do they not work, like they're not even connected to anything for the most part. Um, they, they did a study um, in New York and Dallas and, and out of the 1,000 crosswalk buttons they checked, uh, 900 did not function in any sense of the word. So, which is nuts, right? Like, that's just crazy. Um, here's the other part of the study. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take a little bit more control from your life just for a second. Uh, air conditioners in hotel rooms. Most of them don't have any functionality at all. Now, okay, listen, like if you're in like a four-star or a five-star hotel, first off, you're in a different tax bracket, and congratulations. Um, but also, uh, on, on the lower-end spectrum of hotels, most of the hotel room air conditioners don't work at all. In fact, businesses sell air conditioners that way, and, and there's actually a placebo setting that they'll put on hotel air conditioners. Isn't that horrific? I'm just... So, so, but, but here's, here's the thing, though, is we kind of need that, right? <laughs> because the reality is it's, it's like um, a placebo medication, okay? It's like a sugar pill or, or like essential oils or, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I know we got some oily people. I'll be dead by the next service. It's fine. But here's... I'm treading very dangerous ground right now. I'm just letting you know. Man, okay. But, but here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing is that when you take placebo medication, uh, the, the goal is, is not to actually fix anything, but, but to make you feel better, right? To, to make you feel like um, maybe you don't actually have any control at all, but, but in this moment, as you... Uh, take this sugar pill, uh, you, you feel a little bit better about the world. You, you do. When, when you walk over to that crosswalk, the reason, like, okay, get it this way. Dallas just stopped repairing the buttons. Like, they, they literally, like, things would break, and they just went, well, people feel better when they push the buttons, so, so let's just leave the button up. And so th- they would, man, um, when you go to push that button, the goal is not that the, the crosswalk happens faster. Listen, it's going to happen eventually. And you'll be like, 
I did that. This is great. This is great. I have so much power. But, but it's to give you the illusion of control. And, and after this conversation, like you may be, now that that has been ripped away from you, a little less quick to go push the button. Uh, you may still hope you're in the 10% and, and push it anyways. But um, at the end of the day, here's, here's the reality is, is all of us in this room um, have placebo buttons in our life that, that we push. We do things to give ourselves the illusion that we have control over our life, over the future, and over, I mean, honestly, what's, what's going to happen the rest of this afternoon? Like, we, we convince ourselves, despite all of the evidence, the contrary, that we have some level of control over any of that. And, and here's what's going to happen today is, is we're going to open up a passage in the Bible, um, and, and we're going to do a very, very short four verses. Still going to be a full-length sermon, so don't get too excited. Um, but, but here's the thing is... Um, it, Jesus is, is going to gently um, take some of that control away from us. And, and that's actually really good news. And, and he's going to replace it with something way better. So, so can, we, can we just take a moment and pray together and ask that the Lord would just communicate his truth to our hearts? Let's pray. God, thank you, honestly, just that, that we can trust you, God, that we can trust you with our future, that we can trust you um, with today, and God, that we can trust um, that whatever has happened up until this point, um, the Bible says that it, it will work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And so we thank you for that truth, God. And, and today we just ask that you would um, give us something better than control, that you would give us more of you. Help us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to Luke 19. Oh, yeah, we're back in Luke, so get ready. We'll be there forever. Uh, just as you're turning there, um, here's, here's kind of the setup that's happening. This is um, traditionally kind of in a part of the year that we would call Holy Week. Um, and just so you know, just a really like bizarre set of circumstances has happened leading up to this moment. Um, Jesus has come into Jerusalem or, or to the edge of Jerusalem. And as he's coming into the city, um, he essentially looks at a couple of his guys, his disciples, and is like, hey, um, I, I need to ride in on a donkey. So um, what you're going to do is you're going to go into the city and you're just going to find a donkey and you're going to steal that donkey. And then when you steal that donkey, uh, if anybody asks what you're doing, you're just going to go, hey, um, God needs it. <laughs> the Lord needs it, which makes sense. And I wish it worked that way at car dealerships. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I wish I could just roll in and be like, Lexus, the Lord, he needs it. Sorry, just, it's not me. It's, I'm a pastor. So, um, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And uh, just a very strange set of circumstances. And then, and then Jesus takes the donkey and he, he rides into the city on the donkey. And, um, and here's what you need to understand. As he comes into the city, he's not coming as just some random dude on a donkey. He, he is actually welcomed into the city by this huge, almost parade of disciples, and they're all shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here comes the king. And so as he enters into the city, he, he comes not as a donkey-snatching uh, random prophet, uh, but he comes donkey-snatching. I never thought that would be in a sermon. Um, but he, he comes into the city. 
And, and he, he enters as a king, but, but not like an earthly king that we're used to. Because first off, if you're, if you're riding a donkey, like even in that day, that was not the, the prime way to travel. Uh, he, he came in as a king, but, but not in the way that we would expect. And so um, here, here's what happens next. Pick up with me in verse 41. If, if you're new with us, um, we're going to kind of read a little bit and, and then just talk a little bit and then go back to reading a little bit, just, just so you know. So verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, just, just so you know, um, Jesus probably, according to some scholars, would have been coming down the Mount of Olives. And so as he approached, he, he would have just had this panoramic, beautiful view of the entire city, been able to see all the buildings, all the people, the hustle and bustle, everything that's going on, and just seen it all. And then as he walks down, what the Bible says is he begins to weep. He begins to weep. And, okay, so, so we're on this side of history, like on this side of the cross. And so for us, it's easy to just go, well, I mean, I kind of get it. You know, he's walking to the city. Stuff's about to not go really well for him. And, and it's easy from this side of history. But if you're reading this for the very first time, like if, if this is your first journey through the Gospels, never heard this story before, then at this moment, what should be happening? This should be the highlight reel. Like, this should be the, the touchdown film. Like, this should be the moment where um, Jesus has finally come into the city and people have recognized him as king and therefore God. And, and so as he's walking into the city, then this should be this epic moment. People cheering, balloons going up, and, and everything has gone completely right so far coming into the city. And, and so this should be, this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. God has come back into his city. And, and that's not what happens, right? He, he begins to weep. <laughs> and that's strange. Like if this is your first reading, this is, this is not what's supposed to happen. And, and Jesus is pointing out something. But also, um, here's what's not happening. Jesus is not weeping because he's afraid of what's about to happen. He's not afraid of the cross. In fact, it was for the joy set before him that he laid down his life. That's the book of Hebrews. And, and so we see Jesus coming, but, but here's the reason he was crying. He, he actually um, shares it with us in verse 42. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Can, can I just, just real quick, and then we're gonna move on. The greatest miracle that God has ever um, made happen in your life is that he has no longer hidden himself from you, but that he has revealed himself to you. Hard stop, but let's keep going. 43, for the days will come upon you. This is Jesus kind of taking a turn. When your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Here, here are the two things that are going on because that's a pretty radical shift from parade, military parade into the city to everything's gonna get destroyed here. Two things are happening here. One, and Jesus is just talking about the future. Jesus uh, is God, and so it's not a surprise uh, what happens in the future. Uh, in, and in the 70s, 
Uh, not the 1970s, but the 70s. Uh, everybody loves the 70s, right? Uh, in the 70s, a, a guy named Titus, who was an emperor of Rome, is, is going to roll up to Jerusalem uh, with three legions in his command, and they're going to build a wall around the city to starve the people of Jerusalem. And then over the next couple months, they are going to come in and just absolutely flatten Jerusalem, um, including the second temple. And so as they do this, um, like, like literally, um, they, they destroyed so much of the city, but then Titus decided, hey, let's leave a couple of these towers up just so that in the future when people come here, they can see what sort of magnificent city it was before I came in and just wrecked it. It's crazy. <laughs> Romans, right? But, but here's the thing. Um, so he's talking about that historically, that's going to happen within 50 years of this moment. But then two, he's talking about the fact that um, Jesus is not just a donkey-snatching prophet. Uh, he is the Son of God come to visit Jerusalem. And they're going to, and I'll quote, because you did not know the time of your visitation. They're going to miss the fact that the Son of God was in their midst. And because of that, things are going to go badly. Because of that, things are going to end differently for them in their future. And so as, as we think about this, um, this is huge because what's happening is, is Jesus is getting out of the box that we have for God, and, and he's placing some different expectations on what's going to happen. Because here's, here's what Israel would have expected. Israel would have expected um, a, man, a sort of general king come with just a force of will to drive the Roman Empire out and to take away the oppression of Israel and to change things forever so that God, through the nation of Israel, could just expand and expand and expand until it covered the whole earth. But, but that didn't happen, <laughs> right? They may have expected, um, I don't know a better way to put this than uh, self-help Jesus, is that it? And, and here's, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. That, that Jesus would have come in and gone, oh, guys, you are a mess. But if you just try harder and work more. And, and by the way, here's a little checklist. And listen, as long as you're super authentic about the fact that you're broken, super genuine, right? And, and like, okay, hold up. Isn't that just the cry of our generation? <laughs> Like that, that we're like, oh man, if I'm just open about my failures and then try harder after them, that everything will eventually take care of itself. Isn't that just the cry of our generation? But, but that's maybe what the people of Israel expected, but that's not what they got, right? Jesus comes in a very different way than what we're going to expect. I mean, he shows up on the scene. Um, and and here's, the, here's the real issue with those two approaches. If Jesus shows up as general king, or if Jesus shows up as um, therapeutic deity, <laughs> like he's busting out the couch and telling you to tell him his problems, right? Um, then, then here's the issue is that that puts the control over changing the situation back into our hands. And, and listen to me, God's gonna give you something so much better than control. He, he is. And, and so here, here are three, three quick things that he gives us. Um, what does Jesus bring to his people? Um, the first, if you're tagging along in your notes, is this. Jesus brings compassion to his people when they don't deserve it. <laughs> this was a like wicked, crazy city, you guys. And, and it's ironic because it was also seen as the city of God. And so, so here's the thing, though, is that Jesus um, hasn't spoken about Jerusalem 
um, with this clarity, except in, except in a couple other places in the Bible. And, and in Luke 13, he says it this way. Oh, Jerusalem, just to, just to connect you to some other things that Jesus has said. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So just, just for the record, if that's the title of your city, it's not a good day. <laughs> not a good day. But, but, but here's what Jesus is doing. He's pointing out the crimes of Jerusalem. So historically, um, like if you were a prophet, Old Testament prophet, that was not a super fun line of work. Okay, I don't know how else to say it, but um, like lots of prophets in the Old Testament got beat murdered, like killed, and not in good ways, you guys. Uh, like, like things just went badly for them. And so Jerusalem specifically had a history of murdering prophets and of not trusting the word of God. And so Jesus is reminding and recalling that uh, several chapters back. But then, but then here's his reaction to this. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you we're not willing. That's compassion. And then here's, just, just so you can tie this together. Behold, your house is forsaken. I, that's, I tell you, you will not see me, this should sound familiar, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So God, God knows the future again, right? Like he's, he's talking about this moment that in the future he's going to see Jerusalem and they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is where we're at today. And so, so as you look at this, um, he, here's, here's what I see in this verse. I see Jesus responding to sin differently than we do. Because this is the city that murders prophets, stones the men and women who God has sent to correct and point to God. And, and at the end of the day, um, these men and women are also seen by Jesus with compassion. Um, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood? And, then, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. So, so what is Jesus' response to brokenness and sin? Compassion, weeping, tears. And, and, and here's, here's where I just want to like correct our hearts a little bit. In, in this day and age, it is unbelievably easy to look at someone who, who sins differently, okay? Now, now listen, because we are all sinful, broken people, for sure, uh, no, no question. But when we see someone who sins differently than us. It's super easy to look at that person and, and not feel compassion, but just, just honestly to feel anger, to feel rage, to, to see that someone is living a life that's diametrically opposed to the way that you've chosen to live. And instead of going, man, let, let me just hurt with you in this. The way that you're going is wrong, but, but I love you. And instead of going that direction, uh, we, we run towards anger. And listen, Man, an angry heart will burn you up. And if you rest in that, man, you, like anger begets anger. And you're just going to be angrier and angrier and angrier all the time. And, and so, man, you've got to lean into compassion. And so here's what this means. We should be a lot less angry about sin. We should be a lot more broken about it. We should be a lot more filled with weeping. Because the person that we model our lives after is not someone angry in the government or angry on TV or angry in the world. Man, we model after Jesus, and Jesus models compassion for us. 
we should be a lot less angry and a lot more compassionate. And, and listen, let me, let me just also say this. You should be a lot more broken over your own sin before you are broken over somebody else's. And, and so as you think about this, man, we look at who we really are before Christ and creation groans. We all feel this, but here's, here's some really good news. Jesus brings the truth to his people when they can't find peace, when they can't find peace. Luke 19, 41, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that would make for peace. Here's, here's what I know. Um, I was on vacation last year, um, and, and I learned a new thing. <laughs> I, I went to a car rental facility. Not going to say which one, uh, but I went to one, and, uh, and, and I, unbeknowingly, unbeknown, that's not even a word, unknown to me, all that to say, I, I went to this place, rented a car, and was not aware that if you already have insurance you don't need to buy insurance. So let me just, hey, I'm just saving somebody $40. I literally had somebody come up to me last service and be like, what? So like, so like listen, um, if you already have insurance, now listen, if you've got like shady insurance, like Greg's okay insurance, I don't know, I don't know. If you run a company called Greg's okay insurance also, just think about a name change. But, um, but here's the thing is, is I bought into this insurance, and, and the reason why I did it, now eventually when I figured this out, aka was a Google search away from the truth, um, I, I went back in and was like, listen, Greg, we need, if your name is Greg, man, uh, I, I went in and, and I got it fixed, and, and he was mad, and I walked away with 40 bucks. It was awesome. But, but the reason that I bought this insurance is because I thought, that, that on some level, it, it would make me safer, right? That, that I, I could make mistakes. I could experience a little more peace in my life because of this insurance. You know, if I wreck it, like, it'll be okay. And, and here's the reality, though, is, is we're that kind of people all the time, that, that we run after a million different things that, that we absolutely in our heart of hearts believe is going to bring us peace and status and success. And, and let, me, let me just help you. It's not. Like, like here's the perfect example. I, I love that first six months of a new car. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you get it, you wake up and you're just like, man, the air conditioning works better than anything I've ever been in ever. You know what I'm saying? And here's the thing. In like 12 years, that will be in a junkyard somewhere. Everything that you own, everything that you achieve, everyone that you know will someday end up under a gravestone. And I don't say that to be like morbid, like welcome to the creek, you know? But, 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 but here's, here's, here's why I say it. Here's why I say it. Because whatever it is that you're investing in that isn't the kingdom of God is going to fail and it won't bring you the eternal peace of God. And so when you try to manufacture peace, it, it may work for a moment. Like, it, man, you, 
you may even like wake up the next Monday and be like, yes, this is, this is awesome. But at the end of the day, listen, it, it's going to get old. It's going to fail you. It doesn't matter how well you take care of your body. It doesn't matter how well you take care of your finances. Like all of that's going away. The kingdom of God is not. That's not manufactured peace. That's peace given by the power of God. And that's a different kind of peace. And so as we pursue that, um, this people in Israel uh, would have been without peace. And so Jesus calls all things back to himself. And he says, listen, the time of your visitation is here. You want peace? Look to me. Look to me. And so um, here's the difference that I want you to see is where other kings bring an army to subdue rebellion, uh, Jesus brings a cross to conquer all. And, and here's what I know. If you're an earthly king, and, and we, we need only look at history to see this, if there is an active rebellion against your kingdom from within your kingdom, what happens to that rebellion? They get crushed. They get, man, just carpet bomb the city, right? Like things are not going to go well for this people rebelling against the king, except in this case, Jesus doesn't come to subdue rebellion. He comes to conquer all, and he doesn't use an army. He uses a cross, and Jesus steps into this scene where everything is broken. He's weeping over it, and he doesn't stay outside of the city. He steps into the city and takes up a cross, and here's what the Bible says about that. Hebrews 2 says, since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. He lived a life like you live. He died a death. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Listen, Jesus didn't show up to just fix your morality, okay? Jesus didn't show up so that on Sunday morning you would get up, run to get your kids ready, and in Jesus' name arrive barely on time or five minutes late depending on, you know, what song's playing. But... But here's, here's the thing. Jesus came to conquer all. And he put death to death. He put the devil in his place. And so where we might think an earthly king would come to just settle things, Jesus came to finish things. And as he came, he came to put death to death. And, and here's the wild thing about the gospel is he didn't use ordinary means. And so where, where death looked like death, it actually was life. Where, where Jesus looked like he was walking into defeat, where it looked like Satan had finally won, it was actually victory. And, and listen, here you gotta get this. Where it looked like the Son of God was being, being put away forever, it was actually the family of God being drawn near forever that we might be drawn near in this moment is crazy. And so he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. John Piper said it this way, the king has come to his rebel subjects and offered peace terms while the time lasts. The terms of peace are simple. Lay down your arms, the weapons of self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. Admit your defeat Accept your full and free pardon and swear allegiance to the new king in your life. And here's the wild thing about this, is this wasn't easy. 
Jesus, okay, let, let's, just, let's just think about this rationally. It would have been much easier for Jesus at this point, as he's overlooking the city, to, to just kind of go, this is bad. Man, God, would you, would you send someone to fix this situation? It would have been really easy to, to not step into the city because here's, here's what he knew. He knew that he's about to be just mercilessly crucified, that his beard would be pulled out, that his um, the crown of thorns would be placed on his head, that nails would go through his hands. It would have been so much easier for Jesus to stay out of the city, honestly. But, but at the same time, we would not know life were it for not, not for that. And, and so here's, here's what I want you to see. Jesus brings himself into our painful situation and he sends us to do likewise. He sends us to do likewise. Um, our whole world, like the air we breathe is, is convenience and comfort. Like, like if you left here, like if you just drove down Maine, you could find just as many fast food restaurants as you find churches. Like would, would not be difficult. They're waiting for you, like conveniently, right? If you, like, like I just bought a new iPhone. I have no idea why, but it's the giant obnoxious screen one. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, if you have, like even if you've got a really ghetto smartphone, okay, um, if you'll pull it out, you have the universe at your fingertips, like, like conveniently located in your pocket. The entire world is saying to you, take the easy path. Do what's comfortable. Walk in a way that doesn't burden you at all. And Jesus' way looks nothing like that. Because Jesus, where it was incredibly difficult, where he was walking literally into his death, said, I'm going to walk in. I'm gonna enter into this painful situation and I'm going to be the one that takes on this burden. And listen to me, this is, this is true. The Bible calls you to do likewise. That, and here, here's what I know. Some of you, and myself included, just be real, have like absolutely wackadoodle family members. If, hey, if they're here, don't laugh. I'm just saying, but... But here's the thing, you, you've got them and, and it would be far easier for, for you to retreat from that relationship and for you to sit on the sidelines of this person's life and go, man, God, I, I hope you do something about that. You know lost people at work. I, I, I know less lost people at work because I work at a church, but... You, you, you have, I think, I think, okay? Pray for us. You know lost people at work. You know people who are broken and hurting. And it would be way easier for you to sit in your cubicle or your side of the room and, and to just go, God, I hope, you, I hope you do something in this person's life. I'm not knocking prayer, by the way, but, but I'm knocking prayer that doesn't also come with action. Because, because Jesus didn't just sit on the sideline and pray. He entered into the city at, at the cost of his own life. 
And, and listen to me, we are called to do likewise. We're called in painful situations with awkward people around the dinner table at Thanksgiving to talk about the goodness and grace of God. And it's not easy. And so I want to just take a moment today because here, here's the reality. Um, if you've already got someone on your mind that you're like, man, this, this is the painful relationship in my family. This is the coworker at work who's hurting. This is the person who I know, even at this church, who's just going through hell right now. That, that it's gonna take you having some courage and God working on their heart to be receptive for, for life change and transformation to happen. So we're just gonna, if you're okay with it, we're gonna take a minute and, and pray for you and pray for that person that you're thinking about. And I'm gonna offer you a chance to respond today. And so um, can, can we just take a moment and, and in closing pray that God would be, be giving us boldness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much um, that when you look at us, you aren't angry, God, but that you are filled with compassion, that you weep over our brokenness. God, that where we suffer, you suffer alongside us. God, that where we hurt, um, you cried first. God, thank you for being our Emmanuel, God with us, God in the storm, in this moment with us. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us boldness and compassion, the same kind that you had for us and have for us. And, and just, just right now, with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you have someone on your heart right now, if you know a family member, a coworker, somebody in your friend group that, that you know needs um, to, to see you be the hands and feet, the love and grace and mercy and kindness of our God to that person. Could, could you just quietly, without, without looking up, um, would you just raise a hand? Just real, I just wanna pray for you. Pray for that person. Yeah, okay, awesome. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Lord, we, we just come before you today and, and God, I, I ask that you would do way more than we can imagine in these people's lives, Lord. God, that you would give boldness to the people of the creek, um, not boldness that leads to um, just blind rage that our culture is so familiar with, but boldness that leads to compassion and grace being poured out of their life onto these people, God. And then I pray, God, that you would, for, for every hand that just went up, that person that was connected to that hand, that you would um, give them receptive hearts, God, and in the way that only you can, just break through any walls that they might have and reveal yourself in an incredible way. In a way that, that we don't get to go, man, I, I'm glad I was a part of that, but, but in a way that we only get to go, God did that. And we're thankful. And we celebrate that we have a God who has compassion that runs after us. God, for anybody in this room who doesn't yet understand your compassion, God, let them see your heart for them today. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at